Okay, if you haven't met me, my name is Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here. Very warm welcome to you here at Real Life Church. Whether it's your first time or your hundredth time, it's great to have you with us. What we're going to be looking at today is um, the wonderful news of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. But before we get into the text, I just want you to cast your mind back over your life. For some of you, that will take longer than others. But if you cast your mind back, can you think of um, significant people you've met in your life? I was reflecting on this as I was preparing this, and uh, have you met anyone who you would say was significant? Have you met a famous person? Um, we had dinner with Katie and Charlie last night, who got mentioned earlier, and they met someone at the weekend who's from Coronation Street. No idea who it was, but it was a lady actress who's in Coronation Street, and they're all very excited because they met her. And I was like, I've never met her. My only famous person that I can recall meeting was, this will date me, but um, Steffi Graf. Anyone remember Steffi Graf? Steffi Graf, I met her when they used to do the ladies' tournament in Brighton. I remember being out with my mum and my brother, and she was in her normal kind of clothes, just window shopping. And I went past her, because my mum was a huge tennis fan, and so we watched a lot of Wimbledon in the night, so I knew who Steffi Graf was. And so um, we saw her, and I was like, Mum, that's Steffi Graf. And I wanted to go and just say hello. I don't know what I'd have said, but I'd have probably just said, hello, you're Steffi Graf, which she knew. Um, she was aware of that, but my mum grabbed me and my brother said, no, leave her alone, she's just having a bit of time out. But that was my only kind of brush with fame in my life. But I, as I reflected back, there were some significant people who have come across my path at various times. One of the ones I can remember is a man named Al. And Al was one of um, the youth leaders I came into contact with. And he was the kind of the first time I really saw a guy who was just a bit older than I was, a bit further ahead than me, but someone who loved the Lord. And he wanted to serve Jesus, and that was evident in the way he lived his life and uh, the youth camps I used to go on that he led and he was involved with. And he left a lasting impression of a man who loved his Bible, who loved Jesus, who loved people and wanted to get us as young people to know Jesus. And having met him, it changed my life. Uh, Then I went to uh, university. And I got stuck in there, and um, at that point I was a church-going sort of person, but I wasn't really a believer as such. I kind of was a very legalistic kind of young man, and I got involved uh, on my course. I met a Christian lady called Wendy, who was doing the same teaching course as I. We were both trained to be teachers, and she lived a life slightly different to me. She lived a life where she actually knew the Lord, and she had a profound impact on me because she took me to a local church, that I got involved in that was vibrant and full of life. She challenged me about my life in terms of baptism. I'd never been baptized at that point. I, was, I said I was a believer, but she said, well, have you been baptized? And I said, well, no. I got christened and I got confirmed. You know, I grew up in the Anglican church. It was rather meaningless to me. One of them I don't even remember. The other one I just went through the motions. He said, well, maybe you should think about getting baptized. And she challenged. She did the brilliant challenge in that situation. She says, what do you think the Bible says? And you're like, well, I'll read it then. And so I did and realized, oh man, I need to get baptized. So on the 19th of November 1997, I got baptized in water um, because uh, she had challenged me. Then a few years after that, I took a year out and uh, I met a young lady named Melanie who um, would later become my wife. And uh, she was quite an interesting character. I thought, I like the look of her. Um, and I got to know her and meeting her changed my life and set the sort of direction on where you find me now. And then just a few years ago, I met another person who would change my life forever, and that was my eldest son, Levi. Uh, Mel and I have been married a number of years. Uh, we got pregnant, and then in the delivery room in Cambridge in the Rosie, um, Levi appeared in our life, and chaos and disorder 
followed him. But having him in my life just changed it dramatically. I remember when I, I kind of met him for the first time and I got to tell Melanie it's a boy and we picked out the name and I cut the cord and he was there. I, just, I did what all men do in that situation. I burst out crying, you know, all this kind of stuff. But he changed my life completely and set it on a course now, and it's wonderful. And what we're going to look at today is another significant person, in fact, the most significant person in the world, Jesus Christ, and the fact that his resurrection is, is the center point to the Christian faith. If there was no resurrection, we have no faith. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, everything we're doing here is a waste of time. And the big idea I want to put out to you today is that meeting the risen Jesus changes you. Just like me meeting those people, various points in my life, uh, set me on courses, set me on directions, they changed my life to a degree. But there was nothing compared to meeting the risen Jesus. And what we're going to look at today, we're going to look at some people who met the risen Jesus and how it completely changed their lives. So if you've got your Bible, can you go to uh, Matthew chapter 28? We're just going to read the first few verses of the chapter. It says, uh, verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. All right. What we've got here is we've got two women, who are both named Mary, who are going to the tomb where Jesus' body was laying. If we uh, we go back to last week's sermon, we looked at the cross. Jesus had been crucified. He had been betrayed by one of his closest friends. Jesus had been arrested by the guards. He'd gone through a mock trial uh, with all the kind of political shenanigans. He had then been sentenced to death. He had been crucified by Roman soldiers, and he was dead. All his followers had left him. Kind of his close friends, his disciples had run away, and it was all over. Uh, in terms of the kind of this fledgling movement of faith, it had all ended at that point as he had been executed on a Roman cross. If we read some of the other accounts, there's the one in Luke about the, the blood and the water where he'd been pierced in the side by a Roman spear, and he was proper dead. These guys knew what they were doing. He was dead. His body was taken, laid in a tomb, and because of the, the time of the week and the day of the rest was coming, Sabbath, they kind of wrapped him, they left him, and they were coming on the Sunday after the Sabbath to go and deal with the body. And so these two women are going to the tomb, and if we read the other gospel accounts, it says they were taking spices 
to kind of finish the burial process um, on the body, kind of finish what they couldn't have done because of the day of rest, and they are going there. Um, And it's interesting that Matthew points out this was the first day of the week. Sunday is actually the first day of the week. I don't know how you look at your week, but a lot of people, and me for much of my life, Sunday was kind of the end of the week, and Monday is where it all began. Sunday was kind of like, oh goodness, you're preparing for everything to start Monday. But actually, from a biblical point of view, this is the beginning of the week. Jesus rose on the first day. A new beginning is happening. And Matthew wants to get this clearer. This is a new beginning. This is the first day of your week. I don't know if you realize that. You got up this morning, your week has begun, and where have you come? Where's the best place to come at the beginning of your week? To meet with the people of God and hear about him and worshiping together. So you're starting your week brilliantly. Well done. Your week does not begin tomorrow morning when the alarm gets off and you have to crawl out of bed to get ready to go to work or the kids are up or whatever it is. Your week begins today, this morning. And uh, Matthew's put it right up front there. There is something new is happening. These women don't get the significance at this point. They're just going to finish the job. They think it's an ending. They think we're just going to go and kind of deal with the body and, and, and we'll sort of say our goodbyes and it'll all be over. So it'd be interesting, what do you think they were thinking at this point, these women? They probably had heavy hearts. They'd probably spent much of the previous day, the day of rest, in mourning, with tears, kind of just contemplating what happened, the horror of the crucifixion, the injustice of it, the devastation of it. Jesus is dead. And they go with heavy hearts to do this job early in the morning. They obviously love the Lord but they want to kind of finish the job that wasn't done. And so they come to it. And it's interesting to note that, that it's women who are going. I don't know where the guys are. Just think about that. The ladies are on the front foot going to do something. But it's also interesting that if Jesus is going to appear to someone, in that culture, it shouldn't have been girls. Women were not credible witnesses. Their testimony wouldn't have stood up in a law court, just purely on their gender. But Jesus chooses to appear to women. It adds credibility to what he's doing in this. So it's not a made-up tale. So the women come to the tomb. And they, the surprises begin. There was a great earthquake. I'm sure they weren't expecting that. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake. I haven't. But it, I imagine it must be terrifying if the ground is literally shaking. I've been on those fairground rides where they put you in a room and it shakes. And the floor shakes. And that's pretty scary, even though you're thinking, this is just a ride. It is going to end, I hope, soon. But actually, imagine the actual ground is shaking, which is pretty scary. You have to grab something, but what you're grabbing is probably shaking as well. So everything is being shaken. And then an angel of the Lord descends from heaven. Anyone seen one of them? Yeah, me neither. So that must be pretty terrifying. He comes down, this angel of the Lord, and later it describes what this angel is like. Like lightning. I've seen lightning in the sky. You get fork lightning, you get sheet lightning. It kind of, it it flashes. And for there's a second where you're like, whoa, imagine that being a constant effect of a person, an angelic being comes down and it causes the ground to shake. And it says he rolled back the stone. I don't know whether that physically or what, but the stone, this massive stone weighing tons of rock, is rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. And then it's brilliant. And what does he do? When you finish the job, what do you do? You sit down. Job done. So he just sits on the stone. So he's rolled it away in this display of like, and then he's just sitting on the stone like, yeah, I'm an angel. I'm impressive. So, so he's there, and his, his, his appearance is overwhelming, like lightning. His clothing is white, you know, like, whoa, you know, can't really look at him. And it says, 
For the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. So they, they were so overwhelmed with what happened that they, they went catatonic or something. They, just, they trembled, they huddled up and were just quivering in fear to the point where they couldn't speak. Like dead men, they were kind of prostrate on the floor. They were so overwhelmed by what happened. So this appearance must have been absolutely kind of stunning, devastating to them. Um, that they just, it flattened them out the way. So they come paralyzed with So the guards are dealt with. So the guards are guarding the tomb. The stone is moved away. Now, interestingly, the, the angel ignores the guards. The guards would have been rough, tough soldiers, armed, shields, armor, weapons, and he's not interested in them whatsoever. What does he do? He addresses the women. And first things he said to them, you notice whenever an angel turns up in the Bible, what's the first thing they say? Fear not or don't be afraid. They're terrifying. When they turn up, if anyone turns up and the first thing they say is don't be afraid, they must have something about their appearance and their aura that is just, will make you scared. So this, he says to them, don't be afraid. He says to them, for I know what you seek. So he knows what these women are after. He knows what these women are about and he reassures them, don't be afraid. He knows what mission you're on. But he says, actually, what, the mission you're on is, is in vain. You're on a futile exercise. He says, because he's not here. He has risen. He said, he is alive. You're not going to find this body. Those spices you're carrying, they're irrelevant to this. They're not needed anymore. You're on a futile exercise because he has been raised. He even says, oh, he says, he has been risen as he said. If that was me, it would probably have told you so. Jesus said he was going to rise from the dead. Did you not believe him? Jesus predicted his own resurrection, which is pretty impressive. Only capable if you're God. So he said, Jesus wasn't lying. He has risen from the dead. And he says, by way of proof, he says, look, the tomb's empty. Against the significance of moving the stone. So he's sitting on the stone. Look, the tomb is empty. There's no one in it. You can't find the body there because he has risen. Jesus rose physically from the death. He wasn't some phantasmal force. A ghost, you know, with the no legs, you know, that floats around like a sheet. Jesus rose physically from death, had a resurrection body. There he was. And then the angel then commissions them. He said, he's not here, he's alive. Go and tell the others. Go and tell the disciples, those who aren't here. Say, go and tell them and tell them he is alive. He is not here. He commissioned, go and tell the good news. And he says, he's going ahead of you. He's going to see you guys in Galilee. His disciples are Galileans. He said, you're going back to your home. Go meet him there. And the women kind of overwhelmed with what they see. They depart quickly from the... It says they departed quickly. Now, whether that was in fear of the angel or excitement of the news or a combination of both, doesn't say, but they, they go from the tomb. And it says, with fear and great joy. Now, joy, they're obviously very excited. Jesus was alive, but actually there was fear, or another word would have been awe. I don't know if you've ever been in a, a time or a place where you've been awe-inspired by something. The only times I can really think where I've sort of been out and about and I had that is when, if you go to somewhere with like big mountains, I don't know if you've been in places where there are massive kind of tall billions of tons of rock, you suddenly feel really small and there's a sense of awe at the fact that that is big and you are tiny. And this is kind of what these women were feeling. There was a sense of, there was an awe overcame them. You can say fear, but not like terror, like, oh, it's a scary movie with a guy with a knife. <laughs> no, it's, you're overcome with something. 
But at the same time, it was mixed with huge joy because they'd have this great news. This one they thought was dead, the one they loved, the one they followed, the one they thought was the Messiah, God's chosen. He's actually alive. So they go leaving with this mixture of emotions, fear, trembling, but actually great joy. And they're running to tell the disciples, rather undignified, but it's so exciting, it motivates them into a physical reaction. We're going to go and tell them. And what happens on the way? They meet the risen Jesus. They meet the risen Jesus. He appears before them and he says, um, he says Greetings. Ta-da! I'm still alive. I'm, I'm right here. You can talk to me. And he appears before them and says, And they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. So, what the angel had proclaimed. As true, they knew for themselves to be true because they had met him, they saw him. You read the other gospel accounts, it's, you see a little bit more going on there in that. But they met the risen Jesus and their response was just to worship him. So they fell at his feet, they grabbed his feet, they probably couldn't believe what they were seeing because soon they had just watched him die kind of 48 hours earlier, in a horrible way, and there he was, resurrected in front of them, glorious, wonderful, and very much alive. So they worshipped him, they praised him, and then Jesus said, don't be afraid. So there must have been something about him that was pretty scary as well, his appearance um, as he'd come before them, and the fact that they were kind of shocked to see him. And he says, again, he commissions them, go tell my brothers and they will see me. So he kind of points them on the same mission the angel gave him, go and tell them. And so what I want to look at is a few kind of applications. But the overriding question I want you to ask yourself today is, have you met the risen Jesus? Have you met the risen Jesus? Just like these two women in the story, the two Marys, met the risen Jesus. Have you met the risen Jesus? Because there were three things I want to pull out. The first one was looking. These two women went looking for something. They went looking for something on that day. But the interesting thing is they were looking in the wrong place. They were looking in a cemetery. And what do you find in the cemetery? Dead bodies. It's a place of death. It's a place of ending. It's a place of just a finality. It's a place of that's very somber. If you ever go into cemeteries, they have that sense about them. It's really kind of quiet and a bit sort of, you almost feel you want to talk in whispers. It's hushed. It's, it's over. Their understanding was limited. They thought, this is it. This is the end. They're going to go and sort of see the dead, and they're going to kind of do their goodbyes and finish off the burial thing. They brought the spices for that. It was kind of all over. They knew that the dead couldn't bring hope. The dead can't save. The dead can't do anything. They're dead. They're gone. And that's where they went looking. They were looking in the wrong place. And the question I want to ask you today is, where do you find your hope and meaning? Where do you find your hope and meaning? Because these women were going, looking at all, they were looking in the wrong place, and the, the angel had to correct them. He said, you're not going to find it here, he's alive. But the question for us today is, where do you find your hope? Where do you find your meaning? What do you cling to? What do you find your identity in? What do you find your security in? Because this world offers lots. It promises so much. You can find it in a good job, good job with career prospects and promotion prospects and etc. that comes with a salary and status and job title. You can find it in the money that you can earn and the stuff you can buy, the house that you own, the car that you own, the holidays that you can go on. You can find it in people 
in friendships you have, in relationships you have, in a spouse you have or a spouse you seek, in children and kind of that. And they can be where you find your home and identity. And I, I put it to you, the world promises much in those things, but ultimately they will not satisfy. They're not bad in and of themselves. In fact, they're good. God made them, but they will not satisfy. A good question to ask yourself is, where do I go when things go wrong? Where do I go when things go wrong? When I feel the pressure in life, what do I run to? Do I throw myself into my work? Do I try and kind of spend money to try and just kind of help myself through a difficult situation? Do I find some other way of dealing with things? Do I run away and hide? Because where you go when things are going wrong says a lot about what you value and what you put your kind of trust and security in. I know people who've had things go wrong in their life, believers, and they've kind of, they've left the church. They've kind of fallen away and they've made that the lowest of their priorities. And I've known others who've gone through horrific things in their life and you would not find them anywhere but with God and his people worshipping and connecting and they've been through incredibly difficult situations because they've known where they can put their hope and trust and security. So these women, first of all, they were looking in the wrong place. Next thing we see is they were, the divine then broke in. They were in a place of darkness and sadness, but then God broke in. First of all, there was an angel who brought the message, the good news, that he is not dead, he is alive. And my question to you is, do you know the big story? Do you know the big story, God's big story? Do you know the big story that the centerpiece is the risen Jesus? God's big story is that in the beginning he made heaven and earth and it was all good. The Bible says it was all good. So he created everything. It was good and in it he put man. So he put Adam and Eve and he gave them a commission. Go fill the earth, subdue it, rule it on my behalf and this wonderful environment. And then we get the problem, the fall where man... Decide to rebel against God. God, we don't want you to be God. We want to be God. We're taking over. And from that point, everything went wrong. Everything got shattered. Man's relationship with God got shattered. Man's relationship with creation got shattered. Man's relationship with himself got shattered. Man's relationship with his um, spouse, with woman, got shattered. Man and woman. Everything was broken. Everything went wrong. And we've been reaping the consequences ever since. If you don't believe that, that something's wrong with the world, just go on the news. Just watch the news today and you'll see it over and over again. And so God says, I'm going to do something about this. And we have God's plan for reconciliation, to bring back together man and God. And if you go through the Bible, most of the Bible is this reconciliation program where God is saying, I want you to have a relationship with me because I know that's the best thing, it's good, and so I'm going to do something about it. And we follow the story of the Bible through him choosing people and putting systems in place where man can come to God. And what's it culminating? It culminates in Jesus coming. Jesus coming, living the perfect life, God himself coming to earth saying, I'm going to deal with the problem. I'm going to deal with your rebellion. I'm going to deal with your, your, the wrongdoing you've done against me. Jesus dies on a cross. He pays the price for our rebellion, our sin. The Bible calls that. Then he rises from death spectacularly, gloriously, and he says, the way is open. We looked at that last week. It's finished. You can come to me. And then we go to the end of the story and we have consummation where it all comes together. Right at the end of the Bible you can see that where man and God will be together forever. And we fit in that story. We fit in that story and, and God's message has broken in. God's message has come. And my I kind of question, are you hearing that today? That God's message is going out into the world and are you receiving it? That you're part of this big story 
that is coming together where God is trying to bring a people to himself that he can love forever and they can be with him forever. And he wants to deal with the things in your life, the shame, the guilt, the problems, so that you can know him and be with him forever. And this story isn't just a kind of pie-in-the-sky story, wouldn't it be nice, preached by some guru. This is a story that is based on historical fact and evidence. The angel said it, look, the tomb is empty. The biggest single problem that people kind of have with Christianity, or the biggest single kind of defense of Christianity, is the tomb was empty. He wasn't there. He wasn't where they left him. So what happened to him? And the only logical answer is he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead because he had followers who were willing to die for that message over decades and the centuries. He rose from death victorious. And this message is a message that brings hope and comfort. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. He wasn't there to bring wrath. He wasn't there to bring judgment. He was there to bring hope and comfort and joy. And they left with joy, those women, didn't they? And that's the message. The message is Jesus Christ was who he said he was. He is God. He did rise from the dead. He loves you and he wants to get to know you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. My question today is, do you know Jesus? Have you met the risen Jesus? Have you met him? If you're a believer here today, you're part of this great story. You've met the risen Jesus. He's part of your life and it's something to celebrate and proclaim. If you're not a believer here, then the question is, do you want to meet the risen Jesus? And I submit to you, that's a really good thing to say yes to. (laughs) Really good thing. And if you do... It's not a difficult process. You recognize who he is. He is God and he was who he said he was. And he rose from death victorious. You turn away from your old way of life. You repent of your sins. And you put your faith and your trust in him to lead you all the days of your life. That's what it means to become a believer. So first of all, we've had looking. Then we move on to meeting. So these women, they were looking in the wrong place but they heard a message the message, the divine message, something's called the gospel message from the angels saying, he's alive, he's alive, you're looking in the wrong place. And then they meet him for themselves. Have you met the risen Jesus? It was totally unexpected for these women. Have you met Jesus for yourself? If you're a believer here, do you meet him regularly? When we become Christians, we have that encounter with the risen Lord, just like these ladies done, but that wasn't... That wasn't the only part. That's not the, the end of it. The, 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 the command of the Bible is that we go on having a relationship with him. Think of someone who you've had a relationship with a long time, a friend, you know, someone that you love maybe from your childhood or a spouse, something that's great. You met them the first time and it was good. But if you want to continue the relationship, you have to keep meeting with them. You have to keep spending time with them. And it's the same for us as believers. My question to you today is if you're a believer here, do you meet with him regularly? Do you meet with him as you read your Bible? Do you meet with him through prayer? Do you meet with him as we gather together? We have our small groups, we call life groups, we have prayer meetings, we have the Sunday gathering. Now, do you meet with him? Are you prepared to meet with him? When we're going to worship in a minute and we're going to kind of sing our praises to God and see what happens there, are you prepared to meet him? Are you focusing on it? Have you put aside all the mess from last week? It's a new day. It's a new beginning. All the stuff from last week can be just put down for a moment. And you can put your focus and your faith and trust in Jesus and meet him now, today. There's lots of things you can do to help you. 
You can concentrate on what the words are saying, actually think about them. Sometimes if you know the song, it gets a bit robotic, doesn't it? You know, you just think, actually, what's this saying about me? How's this meet me? You can close your eyes if there's distractions. You can come and stand at the front so there's no one in front of you, kind of, that you're looking, oh, they got a funny haircut, oh, you know, what are they wearing? Do you know what I mean? Things you can do to help you, but come ready to meet the risen Jesus today. And the last one, last one is sending. They looked, they met, and then they were sent. The women were sent out with a singular purpose by the angel and then again affirmed by Christ. And what were they sent out to do? Go and tell others the good news. Go and tell others the good news. And here's the important point. Sending came after encounter. The sending came after the meeting. They met Jesus and then they were sent. They had an encounter with Jesus and then they went out. Okay? They, they were touched by the divine in terms of the angel came and sent them and then, then Jesus himself came and sent them. Sometimes we can talk about telling others the good news of Jesus and it becomes almost like a mission in and of itself and that's all it's about and actually there's nothing behind it. But if you haven't met Jesus, if you haven't experienced the good news from yourself, what are you telling others about? It can become legalistic and mechanical. So it comes back to you need to meet Jesus for yourself. You need to have an encounter with him, an encounter that changes your life. Because when you've met, when you've experienced good news, you just want to tell it. When you had good news in your life, when something goes well, you had a promotion, when um, you're getting engaged, when you're having children, when, when something good comes into your life, something exciting happens, you just tell people naturally. It's not, a, it's not something you have to build up. It just comes flooding out of people. It comes flooding out of people. And it's the same. Once you've met Jesus, it just comes out. And that's why we need to meet him and go on meeting him. Because that's what is the reality. So final thing. Have you met the risen Jesus for yourself? Are you still meeting the risen Jesus? Because that's what it's all about. And once you've met the risen Jesus, your life will never, ever be the same again. Your life will never be the same again. And in a moment, we're going to stand up and the band will come. We're going to have some time of worship. And then we're going to share some bread and wine, uh, hopefully towards the end of the meeting. But my challenge to you today is, uh, do you want to meet the risen Jesus? Because he's here today. He's alive. He's alive. His spirit is with us. And he wants to meet with you. I want to pray that by his spirit, he'll come and engage with each of you today. Whatever's happened last week, it's a new day. Figuratively and literally, a nude gay, a beginning of the week. God wants to come and meet with you. He wants to come and engage with you. He wants to come and talk to you. He wants to come and love you. He wants to know you. So should we do that? Amen. Stand up. Thank you. All right. The band, do you want to guys come and get ready? Do you want to just, why don't you start by closing your eyes? Why don't you just, it's a new day, it's a new week. The week has begun this morning. And I know for me, when I changed my thinking about when my week began, a lot of things kind of helped, sort of clicked into place. So today is a new beginning. So starting at this, the week begins now. You're setting yourself up for the week to come. As you look ahead, and it, last week might have been great, it might have been tough. This week, coming might be you know good or I might think I've got a lot of things to do but just say say God this is a new day this is a new beginning Lord Jesus I want to meet with you today 
to set me up for the week ahead. To set me up for the week ahead. Well, Jesus, we want to thank you that you are alive. That that tomb is empty. (laughs) That what the angels said was true and still is true. That you rose bodily from death. We know you ascended to heaven. You rule and reign in authority right now. You sent the Holy Spirit to be with your church. That's us. Even though many centuries separate us from these stories. And that you're here with us today. And if you want to meet Jesus today, why don't you just say that to him now? Why don't you just ask him? Just ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and say we want to meet with you. If there are things you know you need to put down, just just kind of in your mind, put them down. I need to put that down for the moment.